You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. On this Thursday, November 9th, we're talking Minnesota Twins baseball today with our good friend, Rhett Bollinger, Twins reporter for MLB.com. Rhett, we thank you for the time. Pretty big uh, week for the Twins in the awards category as uh, both Brian Dozier and Byron Buxton taking home gold gloves. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, Paul Molitor, uh, a candidate for AL Manager of the Year. And we'll also talk about uh, the the passing this week of of a man that was such a central figure to this uh, Twins franchise for so many years as a bullpen coach, uh, Rick Stilmazic, who passed away uh, on Monday at the age of 69. And uh, Rhett, unfortunately, uh, another passing uh, of a rather legendary figure in baseball is something we're going to start off with this week as, of course, uh, the big news around baseball, the tragic news, the passing of uh, Roy Halladay at the age of 40 after that uh, plane crash off uh, Florida's coast. And... Uh, you know, this one really stings. This one really hits hard, not just because of the player he was, uh, you know, a two-time Cy Young winner, uh, threw a perfect game, had the postseason no-hitter, one of only two pitchers to to ever do that. But beyond that, you know, when you see these recollections come in, you know, via Twitter and other forms of social media, so many people just say, what a great guy he was. And I mean, let's face it, we've been around this game long enough where we see tremendous athletes. They're not always the best human beings, but Roy Halladay was both. Uh, He was such a a fierce competitor on the mound, obviously very successful at what he did, and uh, just a tremendous man, a great teammate, a wonderful father, wonderful husband, and uh, like I said, this one one really, really stings. Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, obviously it does. It's it's a tragedy. This guy was not just a great baseball player. Seemed like a great guy from everyone I've talked to. You know, obviously I never had a chance to cover him specifically, but obviously at MLB.com, being friends with a lot of guys that did, including Jordan Bastion, our, our current Indians reporter, he used to cover the Blue Jays. And our Blue Jays reporter, Gregor Chisholm, also covered him as an intern. And then Todd Zalecki in Philadelphia. Uh, all, you know, talked to all those guys, said that he was a great guy to deal with. Uh, and a big thing, too, a great family person, you know, to have, you know, a loving wife and kids that he left behind. It's definitely a, a tough situation all around. Uh, baseball was definitely mourning and continues to mourn. I think the big thing was, I think the big, uh, I think Brandon um, McCarty said it best, saying that uh, he was kind of your favorite player's favorite player. I think yeah. the players around baseball really respected him because he's a hard worker. Um, it didn't really always come easy for him, in a sense. He was obviously a big prospect, uh, had those struggles early in his career, and he still has the worst record, sorry, the worst ERA in a single season in MLB history. And sure enough, the next year he kind of worked with uh, – uh, his mechanics, I think, even mentally, and kind of got back on track. And for the next 10 years, um, you can make the case that he was the best pitcher in baseball. I mean, it's pretty amazing to look at how many complete games he had. Even over that 10-year stretch, I believe he averaged over seven innings per start. We're looking at that now. It's almost unheard of. So, um, as a player, incredible. Like as a person as well, uh, he'll definitely be missed. And it's certainly another one of these tragedies that we've had in baseball. Seems like we've had a, a, quite a few of these last few years. Yeah, it's it's been tough. I mean, uh, obviously, Jose Fernandez and then Jordano Ventura about a year ago at this time, and now uh, Roy Halladay. It's, uh, you want to just encase these guys in bubble wrap, you know, when they're not pitching. It's it's That's just kind of how it's been the last couple of years with all these uh, tragic deaths, and uh, Roy Halladay just the latest. But as you said, 
uh, what he did on the mound. He was without peer, and for a guy that sunk to such depths uh, as a youngster to completely reinvent himself and become the pitcher that he was uh, really speaks to uh, to any young player in baseball who struggles, and baseball is a sport of inherent struggle that you can turn it around and uh, perhaps reach the heights that he reached. And again, such a tragic loss at the age of 40. Uh, Roy Halladay uh, certainly rest in peace. Uh, well, Rhett, let's try to uh, put that behind us and uh, move on to the uh, the news of the day and of the week. As I said at the top, uh, go gloves for both uh, Brian Dozier and Byron Buxton. Uh, the first time since 2010 uh, in the form of Joe Maurer that the Twins have had a go glover uh, at all. So this has been a long time coming. Rhett, want to start with our Brian Dozier. Uh, in your article on Twins.com, you even wrote that in your mind, this was kind of a, a mild upset. So uh, how did you have the vote going in your head uh, before these results were announced? I thought that, uh, that Ian Kinsler was going to win the award for the second straight year. I think some of the advanced metrics kind of showed that uh, he had a similar year to last year and better metrics, I guess, in terms of the advanced ones than Dozier did. Um, but at the same time, Dozier's a very solid second baseman. I've watched him for years now. He's certainly above average. Uh, makes a lot of great diving plays in the hole, even to his left. He's got pretty good range. He turns a good double play. Um, yeah, it's, I think the office, it's voted on by the managers and the coaches, and I think uh, the eye test when you watch him play um, you can definitely see he's an athletic guy. Uh, he's very good out there. I just thought that, you know, it's not a surprise at all that Byron Buxton won. I think everyone expected that, but I think in a lot of ways, I think people just figured that Kinsler was going to get it again considering he won it last year. The numbers weren't much differently or much different in terms of the analytics and the, and the kind of metrics they have. Um, but Dozier's definitely shorthanded. I think he, uh, he led the majors in uh, fielding percentage among second basemen. So when the ball's hit to him, he's going to make the play. He's got enough range to make some pretty incredible plays as well. So, it wasn't like it was a bad selection at all. It just was a little bit surprising thinking that Kinsler was going to win it again. But, yeah, it just kind of surprised me a little bit. But, like I said, it wasn't a bad selection by any means. Yeah, it's certainly uh, it's not that uh, Dozier was undeserving, but as you said, Kinsler, the reigning winner in 2016, uh, you kind of expected him to repeat because he had another solid defensive season, but the voters thought differently, and Brian Dozier, a first-time uh, Gold Glove winner, as is his teammate uh, Byron Buxton and Rhett. He had some pretty hefty competition uh, in center field for that award. Uh, he had the Kevins, uh, Kiermaier in Tampa Bay, and Pilar in Toronto, had Lorenzo Cain in Kansas City, Jackie Bradley Jr., with the Red Sox, and uh, Buxton is the one that emerges uh, as the cream of that crop. In what ways did you see his defense improve this year as opposed to one year ago? It was definitely much better. I mean, he's always had that speed. We know he's the fastest player in baseball, according to stat class with the sprint speed metric, but just much better jumps overall, getting the balls that might not have got to the previous, uh, in previous years. Um, just better reads off the bat. The positioning was better, too. They used a lot more data to their advantage. To position them a little bit more, uh, a little bit more shallow, to be able to get to some of these balls uh, in front of him. He's got to take away some base hits because he's so athletic that uh, and so good at going up to balls behind him that he can get, he can track those balls up to the wall, even if he's playing a little more shallow than uh, he's used to or even the major league average. Um, so I think his reads are better, his jumps are better. But yeah, that speed also makes so many great plays. The thing about him too, he's so aggressive. Um, he's not afraid of the wall. We saw that obviously in the wild card, wild card game. Ran into the wall there and uh, had to leave the game, unfortunately. Uh, luckily, didn't suffer any further injury uh, from running into that wall. But uh, aggressive to a fault sometimes, like like I said in that game there. Um, but that speed is just incredible. And I know that, you know, look at some of the metrics. He led the majors and outs above average, which is a new uh, stat cast stat uh, for outfielders. Led the majors in that category. Also led the majors in four-star catches, uh, according to stat cast, making 26 of the 28 attempts on that, which is uh, pretty incredible. 
and success rate was about 10% higher than anybody else uh, in baseball, which I think Mookie Betts is second in that category. So a lot of, a lot of top competition, as you said, and certainly Kermeyer being hurt, maybe an extra uh, more of a, a case against Buxton. But at this point, with Buxton's skills, it kind of seems like it's going to be Buxton's award to lose now uh, for the immediate future. Well, it's going to be fun to watch the back and forth between Buxton and uh, Kiermaier and, and Pilar and all the guys that I rattled off because it's it could be a 4-5 uh, player race for many years to come. These guys are young, they're in their primes, and they're all spectacular. But for this year at least, uh, Byron Buxton is the man in uh, center field. Uh, right as we come down the home stretch, uh, Paul Molitor is in the running for the second time in three years for AL Skipper of the Year. Uh, his competition this season, Terry Francona of the Indians and A.J. Hinch of the world champion Astros. Uh, how do you like Molitor's chances in 2017 here? I think he's got a strong chance. I really do. I think he's got a legitimate chance to win the award. Um, I think Francona's probably more of a stiffer challenge. Uh, Hinch won the World Series, but the balloting is before the postseason. So that's not part of it. It's more the regular season uh Managing so yeah to go from uh, a team that lost more than 100 games last year to, to making the postseason first team to ever do that um, and part of it too was he just you know was such a leader for this club and really helped them after they traded away you know Kinsler and Garcia at the deadline the team could have gave up at that point they had lost you know I think five or seven uh, weren't playing well they were out you know five games of the wild card seemed like they were out of it but he kind of you know had a big team meeting that day and kind of told them to keep their heads up and they continue to play well and continue to kind of get those critics wrong. Uh, writing no retreat, no surrender on the whiteboard after watching, uh, after listening to a Bruce Springsteen song on his walk uh, to the ballpark. So uh, he was really a, a kind of a guiding force for this team that, you know, had, had a good mix of some veterans that definitely were leaders too, uh, you know, but at the same time, it's kind of a young club, and yet he was able to kind of keep their emotions in check um, and did a good job with the bullpen as well. Um, he, he's had a better year overall. I think he had his best year as a manager, and obviously it showed in the standings, but. Um, yeah, I think that Francona with that winning streak um, has a strong case as well. Um, and the Astros the best record, best record in the major league, sorry, the American League. So, uh, you know, Hinch has got a case as well. But I do think that Mauder has a really strong shot to win that award. Yeah, and uh, for the record, Springsteen is never a bad call for any occasion, so I commend <laughs> him for that. He's, for that alone, he's got my vote. But, uh, you there know, you like go. you said, to go from 100-plus losses, a 26-win improvement uh, to the postseason in one year, uh, it's going to be hard to deny Paul Molitor that award here in 2017. Uh, well, Rhett, I hate to uh, to end the podcast on a somber note of which we began things by talking about about uh, Roy Halladay, but we should uh, share a few thoughts and dedicate a few moments to uh, Rick Stale-Masic. He uh, passed away on Monday at the age of 69 due to uh, pan- uh, pancreatic cancer. I-, I think that even the most ardent Twins fans might not be uh, totally familiar with the name Rick Stale-Masic, but... Talk about uh, what he meant to this franchise and talk about, uh, you know, the memories uh, pouring in for a guy that dedicated nearly half his life to Minnesota Twins baseball. Yeah, it really is amazing how long he spent uh, with the Twins organization, the longest tenured coach in team history and the third longest in the history of the major league. So the guy had been around baseball for a long time and spent it all with the Minnesota Twins. Um, so I do think a lot of fans knew he was kind of, you know, I just said he's a bullpen coach. So it's not really a front-facing job. Uh, with the media really out there. But I think this is his personality um, and the fact that the players loved him so much um, certainly showed in some of the stories that came out after uh, he passed away. Um, just a really a character, just a baseball guy. Uh, really funny. I wasn't able to kind of keep guys loose. Um, been in that bullpen for so long. I think, you know, he was under five different managers, uh, part of two World Series winning teams. Um, yeah, he was definitely beloved within the organization. It's just too bad that uh, – 
know, he was set to be honored in January. We had, as part of the Baseball Association, we always uh, come up with the awards for the for the year, and uh, every now and then we have a Lifetime Achievement Award that comes out, and this year is going to be presented to him in January at the award uh, ceremony here in Minnesota, uh, but unfortunately, he obviously won't be able to make it, but it was nice for him this year to be able to make it to the opening day. They had him throw the first pitch out before the, before the game. He also made it back in July when they celebrated the 1987 uh, World Series team. He made it back to all his former you know, players that he coached, and they're all excited to see him. Uh, you know, he was obviously diagnosed in December, so he's been battling this for a little while. Um, so it's tough news. You know, overall, the, the organization uh, definitely loved him, and he loved the organization back. Uh, Chicago natives, he's a Midwestern guy. Uh, just was perfect for that staff for so long. Um, it's part of you know some pretty good bullpens over over the years as well. A lot of guys credit him for helping them throughout their career. Um, so yeah, it's a tough one, a very tough one for a guy that you know, wasn't that old, hadn't been you know outside of coaching for very many years. It was only I think he was let go after 2012, so only had a few years uh, in retirement. So, but a great guy. I covered him in 2011, 2012. My first few years in the beat. It couldn't be any more friendly. And I said always quick with a joke. Always funny, joking around. But on top of that, though, too, he always planned their spring trainings. He did so much with organization for you know for so long that it's just it's tough to see him uh, go like that. Yeah, um, on this earth for uh, 69 years and uh, with the Twins organization for 32 of those, that's simply uh, remarkable. And for the fans that have not yet seen it, uh, you're right up on minnesotatwins.com. Uh, there's a great video of the moment that you referenced when he was brought out uh, to throw out the first pitch and surrounded by by so many friends and family and uh, members of the organization. He's got a, a smile uh, ear to ear on his face. It's a wonderful video. I encourage those uh, to check that out that have not seen it already. Rhett Bollinger, great stuff as always. Uh, we thank you for the time and we'll do it again next week. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Minnesota Twins.